Welcome to another episode of Hell in a Cell Phone, the podcast where we attempt to make sense of the Attitude Era of WWE 20 years later and so much more. I'm your host, Aaron Benoit, joined as always by our wrestling historian, Bobby Hankinson. Hi. <laughs> <laughs> and experiencing this all for the first time, Eric Silver. Oh, man. Happy to be on the podcast uh, with hopefully episodes, um, I don't know, as long as... A nice little stroll when in, when the weather's out. <laughs> Eric's kind of jumping the gun there, but we are changing formats, at least momentarily. Uh, we were all set to do our big deep dive on Latino Heat when all of a sudden Bobby's WWE Network, which was all of our WWE Network, was no more. Uh, and unfortunately, Eric was the only one of us who did the homework before the day before. Uh, so I'm so sad. <laughs> he was ready to talk about it. So today we'll be talking about Latino Heat, and <laughs> and uh, we'll be talking about uh, what we remember of it. So you'll be the one guiding through us that time. <laughs> no, yep. Um. So what happened was, as as I'm sure all of you know, the WWE Network is no more. It's migrated over to the Peacock app, and if you ask yourself. Could an app be more poorly designed than the WWE Network? It can, and it is. Holy shit. Boy, howdy. I'm just, I'm shocked by the fact that that I pay for this network, and they're like, oh, and we're also going to show you commercials. Like, what? No. That's the whole point. Like, the same number of commercials if you had been watching the show on television. Correct. If they showed commercials from back in the day, then that'd be fun. I, I wouldn't mind that. Oh, yeah, like when you watch night. an old VHS tape? It's yeah, like, I want to oh, these... like, what the McDonald's commercials were like at the time. <laughs> it's always a good barometer. I used to love putting on uh, the Christmas tape, as the yellow Kodak label said across of it any time of the year, and see the, um, see the uh, Fruity Pebbles commercial where... Barney convinces Santa to give him the fruity pebbles. I honestly recall that. Wasn't what, wait? Wasn't wasn't Barney Santa Claus? Although <laughs> didn't he? Did, wouldn't he like put a, a, a well? Beard Eric Bar- Barney dresses as Santa Claus, but the real Santa Claus has already gotten in there. Meanwhile, Barney's on the roof, going ho ho ho! I'm ha ha hungry. Comes down on the roof and says, "Santa, my pebbles, your pebbles. Tis the season to be sharing, Fred. Ah, uh, come here, pal." Oh, I remember that. It's too bad Santa didn't have, like, a prehistoric animal for, like, a sack of presents <laughs> that just went, it's a living. Really missed out there. But we're going to take advantage of this moment to look back at another moment in WWE history that happened right around WrestleMania. We would alluded to it already. We're talking about The Rock's appearance on Saturday Night Live just before WrestleMania 2000. I mean, look. I have complained about a lot of these deep dive homeworks. I feel like whether it's the, the amount of homework or, or the content itself, but I will say there has been no worse experience I've had than having to use the Peacock app to watch an episode of Saturday Night Live from the year 2000. This was, (laughs) look, I guess I never, you know, part of our whole shtick is like the nostalgia trip of it all of like going back to the nineties and like LOL kickwear pants and bucket hats and whatever. Um, but I guess I, I I forgot just how much wrestling is its own little bubble of, like, weird-ass carny shit. 
But if we were to go back to the turn of the millennium out in the real world, shit is dark. I watched this and I felt <laughs> sad. I was it took me yeah. to like a dark, sad place where you're like, wow, all these people have no idea what's coming. <laughs> it, was, <laughs> it was honestly, it was deeply, deeply, deeply upsetting to watch. I I cannot convey this enough. Like I, I I don't feel this when I watch. Like you know, we talk about like, oh, how old were you when you when this was on, or what were you doing in school, or whatever. And it's like funny to like have those connections and memories. But there was something deep and visceral and just like real upsetting about watching this shit. I gotta tell you. <laughs> Well, I mean, the other thing is, like, you, like, you look at, like, at the cast from that time, and I, you know, like, I knew everybody in the cast. I remembered all of their names. A lot of them have gone on to have some sort of career or another. Um, and, you know, you would think, like, when you've got, like, Will Ferrell and all these other people, this is going to be such a funny episode, right? Absolutely, absolutely not. The, the exact opposite. Well, amazing to me how bad uh, uh how bad Saturday Night Live was during you know one of its golden eras I have to completely disagree with you guys I came whoa, out whoa, of whoa, this whoa, episode whoa, whoa, whoa. don't put me in that camp I will okay. say that I actually I'm also I'm taking Aaron's side on this because I okay. actually taking notes that I can't believe how much funnier SNL was compared to now I oh, I watched this episode and I was like Tina Fey runs a tight ship Every single sketch, I want to say maybe one or two, but every one pretty much produced a belly laugh out of me for something. There was what? Yeah, and I thought there was structure to the sketches. I thought they mm -hmm. ended. I thought they mm -hmm. ended much cleaner and on a much higher note. And I think there was just a, a, a zanier vibe. There was a more character-driven vibe. It wasn't so yes. internet smarmy smark humor the whole time. It felt like it got a little. It wasn't afraid to take itself a little less seriously. Um, and with it, it was like it was it felt a lot zanier and had I don't know I, of course like a little Muppet Show element. Uh, I think this episode specifically because of some of the WWF uh, crossover. But in general, though, it's like oh we could just like do anything here and like anything can happen and it's like a, a mixture of different kinds of humor. It's not all pop culture reference heavy. It's not all um, I don't know the super level of of kind of like internet uh, snark. I wow. I I guess I feel like this is one of those times where I feel like I'm taking crazy pills um because like and, and you know it it's very funny that like I did the homework for Latino Heat and we didn't get to talk about it because one of the things I wanted to mention with Latino Heat that feels very similar to this episode of Saturday Night Live is like there was a whole it felt like I felt like I was part of some sketch where they decided that that like the 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 word of the day was Latino heat, and everybody was like, like, oh, I was so drawn to you by your Latino heat, and they like look at the camera, and everyone freaks out. They're like, she said the words. Um, that felt that was very similar to how I felt about many of these Saturday Night Live sketches, where I just like, I just, I don't know, I don't think they had a very clear in some of them didn't have a very clear game i like there are other episodes i think that have uh sketches that i think are i found that i think i find funnier and i don't know this 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 just felt like really weak to me but also i've never like loved saturday night live anyway like there's been a lot of you know like i feel like 
in my mind, I, I think I, I, I thought more of it than when I, act, you know, when I actually watched it. I never felt as much pleasure. I think, you know, I, I don't, I didn't love any individual sketch on this episode. I wouldn't be like, this is an all time like Hall of Famer or like, I think I was reacting more to just like, I don't know. And this sounds like squishier, but like the overall vibe more or less <laughs> and just like the energy of it that a, a little bit more throughout because like i i mean i don't think any one of these if you like isolated them and broke down like really scientifically i don't think that like the concepts are super clever or uh, in a lot of ways uh but i do think the overall pace of the show the lightness there was a different there was a different sort of like lightness and and vibe to it which makes sense when you think of Tina Fey and you also think of like the, the kinds of content I respond a lot to, which is like quick and, and, and zingy. Uh, and I think this felt a little bit more of that. And I'm honestly, well, let, uh, let's go into it. Well, oh, sorry. And, but, but honestly, Bobby, I'm willing to, uh, to go to the mat for a couple of these sketches here as being just like very well structured, very well thought out. And even when something misses like the, um, the Superman Clark Kent one later on, it's like, wow, that is a very funny idea that yeah. they, they went with. Let, let, let's, let's talk about it. Okay. But we'll, we'll, we can go, we can go sketch to sketch. There's not that many, there really aren't that many sketches. Well, actually, no, cause it's so. insane. Cause uh, going off of, of Peacock right now. And if you are in any Facebook wrestling group right now, people are freaking out over the fact that, Peacock is whitewashing WWF history because they removed Vince McMahon saying the N-word and Rowdy Roddy Piper in blackface. But there are several sketches that are missing from uh, this episode as well, as well as the uh, musical appearances by ACDC. Yeah. yeah, I was wondering, I was like, wow, why is it 45 minutes? Yeah, I was struck. I was like, wow, I can't believe we can update this early. And then I was like, oh, we're we're missing things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. There's a morning latte that's missing. Oh, there's a morning latte. There's a ladies' man that's missing. Uh, Rocket address spoiler. Um, and my personal, the one that I missed the most from this episode, there was. Um, it was pitched as Showtime's answer to The Sopranos called The Goombas, where The Rock would just do <laughs> Italian American stereotypes and go Mitsa Balza multiple times. That's not that bad. I, I like. I, I kind of wish I could see that one. I, but yeah. I looked everywhere yesterday, short of like trying to track down this individual episode on BitTorrent. I, I definitely tried to. I, I, I had a feeling I was missing stuff, and so I went and and like tried to like don't don't try to Google um like sketches sketch list from uh, Rock's first SNL because you will not get anything. Um. It doesn't. It doesn't really work as a as a search. I also feel but like people, I was. I definitely tried it. I feel like people definitely search like uh, content cut from streamers because liberal snowflakes. So <laughs> you don't want to end up going down. You're gonna end up on, like, on a Reddit board somewhere. That's like, yeah, we can't can't hide them for us forever. Or or maybe maybe a Chan either four or eight. Yeah yeah definitely. All right, so let's go to the uh, the cold open here, which opens with Tim Meadows and Lauren Michaels drinking champagne, as I guess they do before every show. Man, Lauren Michaels, I I wow, you forget just like how he basically, I mean, he must be managed by the scenery department, right? Because <laughs> they just wheel him out, and he can't say Vince McMahon's name right. He's just like Vince. 
McMahon. Like, nothing. Nothing. And then we cut to Vince McMahon, who is with um, the big show Triple H and Mick Foley. And the whole conceit is that he needs to convince the wrestlers not to attack The Rock at all during the show, which I think is a very funny idea. And the three of them play it off very well. And I am especially surprised, I guess I shouldn't be kind of knowing what's coming, at how funny The Big Show was to me on this. Yeah, I think that, you know, uh, again, I wouldn't say he's going to he, – he didn't – he definitely wasn't, like, st- studying Commedia dell'arte or whatever, you know. But he had a, a, a natural kind of likability, like a real genuine doofiness that was super mm-hmm. endearing. Uh, I, I told, like – obviously he was, like, a little hammy and it's a little – you know, it wasn't, again, a stretch. Uh, but he was yes. much more likable than he's ever been on – that I had – we had seen him on camera to this point. Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, and look, you know, do I, do I think that that's like a, you know, I think it's, I think it's kind of a layup type of joke to make. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I don't think it's a, a brilliant idea as far as a sketch goes, but it's fine. You know, it was, it's cute that he, you know, that, that, you know, he, he's got the chair behind his back and, you know, they're like, show us what's behind your back. Like, it's fine. But I don't know. I, I actually, I like, I was like, man, like, what if, like for me, what would have been funny would have been like, or would have would have been interesting from the perspective of like having them all be there is, you know, maybe if they were like, you know, exploring like what their idea of funny is because like they think that they're being funny on, you know, like Vince kept going like we're a, you know, no this this isn't a wrestling show, this is a variety comedy show, and they're like it's a comedy show. It would have been funny if they were like. No, this is comedy, Vince. This is what we do. Remember when we hit him and it was really funny? Like, I think to me, that's a funnier idea, but who am I? Well, let's go go to the Wayback Machine and, and hire Eric Silver to write this sketch. I'm just saying, I don't need to, you know, like, uh, Tina Fey is great. I don't need to put her, <laughs> her like, her five days of writing, uh, you know, for like her her the five days of writing that she put into this episode on a pedestal necessarily it, this is this reminds me a little bit like how when i was like talking about how uh uh what's it called in star trek deep space nine i said cisco was it, the guy who plays cisco is a not really good actor and you were like you mean uh shakespearean actor uh what's his name avery, avery brooks Avery Brooks, you're like, you mean Shakespearean actor Avery Brooks? I'm like, uh, yeah, okay. I mean, <laughs> he's he wasn't good in this. Okay, but uh, there's something very funny about the big show holding on to Chris Kattan. <laughs> yes, yes, but there also isn't anything funny about Chris Kattan. It's weird. <laughs> uh, again, we're going to disagree a lot on this episode. Wow. wow. Um, this will also, be interesting. Wait, well, there's something we can all agree on to start, that if we did have a time machine to go back and do anything, it would not necessarily be to improve the writing on this episode. It might be to do something <laughs> like, I don't know, stop 9-11, but we'll get to that. <laughs> yes. Um, and and I guess all, all I'm really going to say in response to this, Eric, is, is when you've got these guys who are being pitched to um, – a wide audience for the the first time and they have to are kind of bringing in their world to an audience that is going to be unfamiliar to it. I don't know that necessarily going for a bigger swing is going to work in this situation. 
Oh, that's a fair point. I mean, you know, yeah, like there might be people who I guess aren't as familiar with wrestling. Um, but I, I don't know. I'm not sure. Again, you know, maybe, maybe you're right. We're talking about The Rock's first real dance with mainstream fame. This is his first, like, like he's been he's been let out of his cage to kind of show what he is, and he takes a lot of chances in here with his performances and the things that he's willing to do and what he's willing to show himself, and and I think that that's great. So I I'm willing to forgive and and enjoy this first part for what it is. And again, the monologue. I was there something else I think we all can agree on is that you can't stop watch you can't finish watching this and not agree that The Rock is a fucking unstoppable star <laughs> that star. like literally this guy could light can light up your screen yeah um by the way uh when when triple h punches that audience member do you know who that audience member was jordan silver <laughs> um mike shore the uh the creator of brooklyn 99 oh. uh wow. the uh, the american version of the office Parks and Rec. Uh, Parks and Rec. Mo- many, many, basically, uh, uh, Mocker, uh, Mike Shore, who was a writer at the time. That's huh. awesome. Thanks for the trivia. Um, I was a little, little tired of the, like, the wrestling kind of invasion angle by the end of the monologue, though. I don't know about you guys. Yeah. Well, you know about me. <laughs> <laughs> And that's where, again, I think that that a, a, a bit of the um, the performance was lacking, especially uh, Big Show and Triple H. Mick, Mick is perfect, when, when I'm never going to say anything bad about him. Yeah, but come on, Mick underdelivered here. <laughs> yes, I, he did. He I, did. I he, he was the weakest of the four, honestly, which I think is was is surprising and disappointing. But, on, but we have to be honest on this podcast. Okay. I don't. Like I it, I think that I think uh, you know. There was I, I I feel like Mick maybe was a little bit like um just being a good team player and letting the other guys kinda have have the uh the spotlight a little bit. Well, We're all gonna do a uh, headcanon just for Mick Foley to, to make him look the best in any situation. Well I mean look, also it was it was probably they probably wrote for the different people, right? I you know, I assume I don't think that, that like Mick and, and Big Show and Triple H were in the writer's room and, and like asking uh Tina and Mike Shore and all and whoever else was in there to be like, Hey, so like wh- which are my lines? Like wh- let's figure this out. Like I've, i they probably were just like, All right, we'll come in, we'll do whatever lines you write for us. I was really surprised to remember that ACDC had an album out in 2000. If you had put a gun to yeah. my head, I would have said that their last one was for the soundtrack to The Last Action Hero. I would have said their last album was Back in Black. <laughs> Honestly, <laughs> absolutely. No, I, uh, I know about... ACDC uh, before Bon Scott died and ACDC after is as far as I can tell one album and maybe they did perform a Super Bowl. I, I don't know. I'm not a big A-head. <laughs> but sometimes you just got to enjoy it, right, Eric? Uh, yes. <laughs> that's that's my big ACDC story <laughs> about uh, um, you shook me all night long and me being like, this song kind of sucks. And my friend being like, uh, 
You know you could just enjoy it, though. Everyone else seems to be enjoying it. If you just let yourself enjoy it, you'll have fun. <laughs> Which is, I, I think, a pretty apt metaphor for a lot of things with Eric Silver. Yeah, I, I wonder. Yeah, it's true. You were definitely—he was definitely just a vessel to deliver that message from a greater power. <laughs> <laughs> right. It's like you know, you could really enjoy this Saturday Night Live episode. Then, uh, it's weird. He turned to him and you were like, "What? The choice is yours." <laughs> Why did you say that? And he was like, "Say what? What did I say?" He had like no recollection. <laughs> right. His eyes cloud over in darkness, and he just says, "You know, have you tried liking things?" <laughs> Then we get the uh, the commercial parody with Tracy Morgan's Uncle Jemima's Pure Mash Liquor, which was a sketch that my friends and I quoted incessantly during um, the year 2000. Really? Yep. Okay. I, I thought it was fine. It's a little, I don't know. <laughs> Not my favorite. <laughs> what was your favorite? The favorite if, sketch? If, yeah, if you had to, because we don't really necessarily have to go through all of these in order. What Was was there anyone out of these that you were like, okay, that one was good? Oh, um, I thought the old-fashioned horse glue one was kind of funny. Wow. Okay. I thought that was the least funny one. No, the least funny one was the uh, Today's Lady. That, that the was, ladies' talk show, yeah. That was bad, that was, right? That, was, that wasn't good. That was re- I would. That was shockingly bad because it also like it just seemed like so antithetical to like what's supposed. This is supposed to be like one of like the up and coming like where like the women were really like the this huge the driver of the show and something like Anna Gaston. Yeah, it had Rachel Dratch in it. Terry O'Terry. I mean, it's a great uh, a great cast and so and it doesn't seem like the point of view felt so undercutting and seemed to be like oh well uh, you know women today are, are so whatever and then but as soon as a man's around the like that's like all they're about it's just like what like who it, it felt and even i thought and i thought the three performances in it were bad as if like they knew also it was bad yeah no it was a it was extremely flat it was a very flat sketch um and and just kind of like i don't know i didn't even have any notes because i was so bored with it um i also okay uh i thought i thought the mr peepers one um okay i i will give credit for i think it's i think in general that like the the way that Chris Kattan eats an apple and then the way that the rock eats the apple and just the spitting of the apple as they eat and kind of corn cobbing on the apple that in itself is a funny thing but that it was like literally they just hung a sketch on that right like there was nothing there I had no idea what else was going on I didn't really get any of it it was just like hey these two people are just gonna act super fucking crazy and it's it's crazy to me that like Will Ferrell was in this and he's like the he's you know the most muted part of all of it because like it was just like them humping people I don't know I, I did not like it See, I think with I think you're underselling. I don't think it's just about the apple. I think I think the apple is the least is my least favorite part of, of the Peepers performance. I think what's good about it is it's a it's so physical and un, like the movements are so specific, 
And there's also parts of it that are so literally animalistic and in, like, ways where an animal responds. Like, when he's, the way he's, like, afraid on the stool across the room. Like, that's, like, a very specific kind of thing. Like, Beck Bennett does a, did a sketch that was, like, a, basically Boss Baby, like, an adult-sized toddler where he would, like, move in a very specific yes. way. Mm-hmm. That, yeah, that, yeah, yeah. that was, like, what heightened that whole sketch. That's the idea of just a baby as a boss, which was, like, the central premise. But, like, what really fucking made that special was the way he walked, he held his hands, like, those physical choices. And I think with this, the physical choices are what's really, like, the way he's, the way he's crouched, the way he's using his feet and his hands. Like, there's lots of physical choices, even his facial expressions and what he's doing with his face. And that I think that's really what's so funny about seeing it. And that's why like, the context and stuff doesn't really matter. It's like watching this, this like this, his actions. And then I think what made this what would you say was good. What I liked, what this was, why it was entertaining to see was seeing The Rock match that almost exactly, which was very impressive. I mean, you'll lose me at leg yeah. humping on anything. I feel like that's, I think it's such like a lazy attempt at humor all the time. Anything with yes. humping period. That's like a great, that's a great way to like kill a comedy boner for me. But I, but you know, uh, that I don't think it did rest on that. I think what the, what come, what, what I laugh at the most throughout the sketches is like those little specific moments and ways of turning and the sort of frenetic energy, the way they're looking around and feeling agitated or looking scared. Like a, like an animal would have been like Jack Hanna brought it on the tonight show. Like it's that kind like it's that performance that I think is very funny. I thought I, mean, look, I was going to be alone on Peeper's Island over here and you guys being like, you fucking idiot. You found that funny. Thank God. <laughs> like, I, I, was, okay. I was like stressed out, like, it, like laughing, but also like, oh, no, I'm going to be judged by my peers. <laughs> <laughs> I'm judging. No, look, you um, I think. I think you make a you make a good point. There are there are funny aspects to it, but like, what is the game of that sketch? What would you say is the game going on there? Well, that would be hmm. And and you know, like, what's the heightening? What's any of it? Like, you know, is it just uh, per like person find you know person brings in crazy thing? Like, what? Why are they in that class? Why are they in that lecture? What's going on? Like, is you know what I mean? Like, well, they say, so yes, yeah, there they, is a. There... They say like they they set that up. I mean, I, I I think that they set it up enough, and then it just it, it's designed less as far as game, as far as to just let a performer do a performance. But it's it's that it's the idea that Jack had on the Tonight Show. It's a the yeah. bringing you know it's like you know they say don't perform with children and animals. You bring in an animal for a presentation of some kind to an audience of some kind, and they're uncontrollable. And you're supposed to, you know, usually when you see those kinds of things, like, don't fear, he's perfectly calm, I've trained him by hand myself. Like, there's, like, all, like, yeah, but- that's that's the premise. And then, so what happens when it goes awry? And it levels up, the more unhinged he gets. And then you add the rock as, like, a second chaotic element, and that's how it keeps heightening. And then the, you know, the match. I disagree. I disagree. Um, I think you're adding in the Jack Hanna and the Tonight Show yeah. aspect, which I which would be funny. But like there, there's nothing that that uh, Will Ferrell and what's his face, um, Spichemin, Chris Parnell, um, uh, Chris Parnell. There's nothing that they're actually doing that's that is that. It, it, they're 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 barely present in the sketch. But like it's just they're just getting spit on and getting humped, and they're not tr- they're not. The what makes the thing what makes the thing you're describing work is if it's like if there is a person going oh I've got and they have done I think I've they've done that sketch before where it's like you know someone's like oh uh, here's this animal and 
uh, no, 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 don't worry, they're fine. And then you see the animal is not fine. What what adds that balance is you have to have that person doing that thing. That's what Will Ferrell was and that the wasn't, whole time. That he, wasn't he present. Kept, like assuring them it was under control when it was very clearly not under control. And that was Parnell is begging him, like, call off. He's like, it's fine, it's fine. This is it. It's, it's don't the, worry. Um, that's, that's what it was. It's the juxtaposition. I think it was. Of, I think it was lost in the freneticness. It's the, the juxtaposition of this chaos in a classroom, which is supposed to be a very sterile environment. I, I, it, as I said, I, I think it's, I, I, it felt like a stretch to me as, you know, like, okay, I get it. I mean, I get what you're saying, but it, it didn't, it didn't, it wasn't legible. I'll put it that way. It wasn't legible. I mean, I guess this is one that's just, you're either going to find funny or you're not going to find funny. And, and it, it, it hinges completely on Chris Kattan's performance here and the rock mirroring that performance. Right. I also, I also, you know, I as soon as I saw Chris Kattan was in the was in the cast for this episode, I got I flashed back to like the trauma I had of like watching Chris Kattan be at the center of like literally doing all of the physical comedy characters where they're all very much similar. Like it's like it's basically like it's like he did three lines of coke and is just, you know, going out and and like just super performing. Which, you know, some people really like, and I'm sure Lauren loved it, and I'm sure some people really loved it, but it that that was never that was never an appealing thing to me. So watching watching like, you know, Will Ferrell, who I, you know, have loved in sketches, kind of take a backseat to Chris Kattan on this is like it just reminded me of all the other times that I've seen Chris Kattan doing some character that I didn't give a fuck about. Well, the following week after this features the uh, the Blue Oyster Cult Don't Fear the Reaper sketch. So you get your, your Will Ferrell fix there. Which I wonder yeah. if that's even on Peacock. Like because, oh, because of the, of the, the, the rights? rights? Yeah. Huh. I have to check that out. All right, guys. You ready to get dark? Jeez. Oh, my God. Wow. Because... Mr. Policeman, I gave you all the clues. <laughs> I mean, I... Can we? We're talking. I, I, I'm sorry. I'm. 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 I'm hijacking the segment. Um, Go for it. <laughs> you guys, uh, uh, listener. Uh, I, I was doing this homework last night, as I often am the night before, as we've discussed. Uh, see Latino Heat. Uh, but uh, I was doing this last night, and I might have uh, partook in in the recently legalized uh, recreational marijuana here in New York, where I live. Yeah, you can just say it. It's fucking legal now. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I was saying it before. As I mean, if that's ever podcast. stopped you before. <laughs> yeah. It's like, so I was smoking well, a split the... at 8 a.m. as I normally do. <laughs> but the problem is that Bobby was doing this. Bobby was doing this at a schoolyard, <laughs> oh, yeah. which is illegal. You can't do your homework there, Bobby. <laughs> so I'm watching this though last night, and we get to weekend update, and you guys, it's it starts out. I mean, first of all, Colin Quinn. I'm already sad. So then, let's start <laughs> with weekend update. There's a story about the NYPD again, not to kill the vibe. There's, but in it, in the in the little picture with it is the twin towers, and you're like, oh right, oh, yep. oh no, they, no, 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 Bobby, you need to back up, sir. To which because part? The the joke, right? But well, first off, it starts off with some evergreen evergreen dunking on the Clintons, which. I noted that I was like, you know what? For all the shit they're always like, you never give. They never, you know, the media only ever. Uh, they only make fun of the Republicans. They, were, they did. They, I thought they gave a what they a, a, a decent shake, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> I was like, wait a minute. Uh, oh, we can't update. We, we can't update always. I mean, they they took a lot of pot shots at the Clintons. I mean, a lot yeah. of it they took was like at 
at uh, Chelsea Clinton. Like, yeah, you know, real fucking gross, some gross stuff. But they also did, did, did yeah. policy stuff. They all, you know, they they hit a few things that I was like, oh, yeah, because I think this is the mythology that's been promoted that even if you're not on the fucking, you know, uh, crazy fucking 8chan or whatever, that like, because there wasn't much during the Obama years because for the most part, he, he uh, stepped around major controversy and things like that. Mm-hmm. So there was like a little they, So there probably was a sunnier uh, portrayal there than others. But I think it became mythologized as like this. Uh, the media only ever goes after Republicans and never, ever went after the Democrats. And that seemed and I was like, oh, wait, I forgot. No, they did. <laughs> Just me. OK. No, no. Um, yeah, I no. I agree. Yeah, no, I mean, it, uh, like, you know, I, I think Obama was a very, very special case of, uh, you know, like it was it, it things took a different turn around the Obama, uh, the Obama years, because, you know, it was all this like they there was a lot uh, attached to his presidency. But before that, yeah, like they they made fun of everybody all the time. They made fun of they, whoever was in office just got yeah. made fun of. And that was it. Yeah. OK. All right. Well, back to this. So they were the the twin towers in this photo were again. It just makes you immediately realize, like, wow, like those were there, and they had no idea what was coming. And that you, then that's all you can think about. And then the following stories include like dunking on Osama bin Laden, which I was like, ooh, wise, yikes, yeah, right. uh, about how he's basically almost dead. Yeah, and then something about you know W going to be you know about George W. Bush and what's going to you know run for office and his whole fucking thing. And then there's another story about an attempted plane hijacking, a literal yes. plane hijacking that just sort of passed off like, that's weird, right? Anyway, and I was like, oh my god, what the fuck? What the fuck? All, they're all the pieces yeah. there. Do something, Colin Quinn. What are you talking about? Bobby, the, the, yeah, the, did... the George W. Bush joke was that he was going to go to war with Alaska for their oil. Yes, yes. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Truly, it was fucking. It, I, I'm like, am I in Donnie Darko? Like, it was so fucking <laughs> weird. Yeah, yeah. No, this this uh this weekend update was like a 9/11 cipher. <laughs> like, I know Bob uh, uh, Aaron always says that uh that like you know his big fear is if he you know like do, does he would he know enough to be able to go back in time and stop 9-11 and the, the answer is you did know enough aaron you were watching this episode <laughs> they told you everything and as i you know i just want to say 9-11 was an inside job but that inside job was at rockefeller center yes i just want to say in a in a sense this podcast has always been about 9-11 <laughs> We've, we really, you know, like that's, that was like one of the oldest, oldest, uh, bits that we always had. And I'm glad that it comes to full fruition. I mean, I'm glad 9-11 came to full fruition. Yeah, this podcast and, um, and what's the fucking Christmas movie? Uh, what's the Christmas movie? The Christmas Carol? No, we, oh. the one where the, the framing device for the movie oh, is nine eleven. Love, Love actually. actually, yes, 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 well, yes. This podcast and Love Actually are all about nine eleven. Yeah. Wait, the framing device for for Love Actually was nine yes. eleven. First of all, this is one of my stand up jokes. Uh, I've been doing it for a while. You, you've definitely heard me say this. 
But 9-11, the whole beginning, it's like, people in airports coming and going, falling in love, in not love. Since the attack, since the terror attacks in the World Trade Center, airports are different now. And then at the end, it's like a whole thing. <laughs> they like, said that? I missed that part. And then at the end, it's a whole oh. thing with, like, that's why that kid's, like, run through the airport. But it's, like, extra crazy, all the security, because it's post-9-11. <laughs> Oh wow! It's fucking that. I, that movie is so like the deeper you dig into it, it's so fucking rotten. It's insane that everyone watches it every Christmas and doesn't ask questions. I forgot about that. I was gonna say, um, what was that? The what was that movie with? Um, was it with like Tom Hanks or like Adam Sandler? Wow, that's a, where it was like what is spread. It was like it was like rain on me or something where it's like it it like it turns out that like it's a it's about nine eleven but you like I think it you don't realize that beforehand. Oh, was that I like ex- I think extremely it, it, loud and incredibly close? Yes, 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 yes. Which is a book I've never anyway. read, a book I've never read, a movie I've never seen, and yet a cultural <laughs> reference I make all the time. <laughs> <laughs> Um, can we can we agree on the fact like we've we've had a lot of debate here at Hell on a Cell Phone about the merits of of this ep- of uh, Saturday Night Live sketches, but can we all agree that Jimmy Fallon is still not funny? Yes. Holy shit! I, again, that was another part that I felt like a darkness coming. I was like, well, we have no idea. The whole country's falling in love with Jimmy Fallon, are they? Like, they have no idea what's in store, like what's gonna come, and just like watching him, and you're like, oh no, oh no, oh no, like everything about it just felt very foreboding. It's it's literally it was literally just hey uh, I think I'm just gonna write some songs that are uh, par- song parodies that describe my spring break like what the fuck no, it, man and that got like it literally uh, seemed like it seemed like sponsored content from MTV it's like I'm gonna write <laughs> a few little jingles for MTV shows it was like oh why are they paying you. Like, I didn't understand, like, like why is that funny? It was literally like, I'm going to take this popular song and make it about road rules. You're like, uh, okay. <laughs> sure, yeah. sure, I guess. And, like, and he's just, you can see he's, like, laughing as he's doing it. I'm like, what are you laughing at? None of this is funny. Jimmy I can't like, believe, it, it was, I didn't I realize that Jimmy Fallon was, oh, sorry. I can't believe we made it 80 episodes and haven't mentioned the Dave Matthews band yet. Oh yeah, right. I don't know. I had like a pole, like a magnetic polar effect to like uh, oppose Dave Matthews as like an aggressively heterosexual piece of culture. <laughs> but do you guys know uh, I've been also, to like wait, maybe four Dave Matthews band concerts and I never liked the band? It, it, how does that even happen? That happens. I've seen Fish more times than I like the band. You just like going, um, you like but you going like, to, but you do like. I Fish. do like them. Yeah, and and you know what? I like Dave Matthews band too. Um, I'm going to say it. I, I think that uh, Crash is still a very good album. I could put it on this summer. Um, wow, I'm admitting a lot of things here today, you guys, and thank you for making this a safe space for me. Um, I It's not safe. Also- <laughs> I'm coming after you. <laughs> I also, though, I feel like, Bobby, uh, uh, that the um, that the, the average person at a Dave Matthews Band concert is exactly what you're attracted to. Yes. Oh, a hundred percent. Also, like I, I don't think Dave Matthews Band is bad. I don't, I don't think it's shitty. It's just like it's just something that like, again, it almost like I, ha- I have a thing where like it, I feel like repelled by it, but sure. I don't think it's sure, sure. bad. Not like repelled, like sick, but physically repelled from it. Like the um, like the magnetic poles yeah. when you when you try to Opposite put the magnet poles, together, yeah. it just won't happen. 
Yeah, that's what it feels like with Dave Matthews. But I don't think that he's not talented or the music is bad or anything like that. And I actually think both Dave Matthews band fans are decent. And, like, I don't think that, like, it's not like I would feel going to a fucking Stained concert, which I did. But not, like, going to, <laughs> like, you know, or at like least a Puddle of Mud concert. Never have. But, uh, like, like something like that where I'd be like, ugh, I really, like, hate these people and don't feel safe. Like, there has been, like, most of it's, like, nice, sensitive people. Uh, but still uh, was just aggressively heterosexual. Yes. By the way, um, uh, I remember this is like a little bit of um, of survivor skill to pass on to, to our folks out there. Um, I was once on a road trip. I was doing a cross-country trip with a friend, and uh, we had run out of drugs, and uh, we found out that there was a Dave Matthews Band concert going on i think this is in texas or something i don't know but basically we had heard that there was a dave matthews band concert going and so we were like shit so we basically drove to the parking lot of the dave matthews show and just that's where we were able to get more drugs so if you ever need drugs uh just the bet you know the parking lot of a dave matthews show is is always you know it's like it's like finding uh finding water using the moss on a rock Dave Matthews show, fish show, string cheese incident, the disco biscuits. You don't have to stay for the music. But... Yeah, no, you don't even have to buy a ticket. Just hang out in the parking lot, man. That's where the party is. So, so the 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 sketch after weekend update is the Clark Kent sketch, which I was when I when I was on my Google search to try to find the other sketches from this episode that that we missed. Um, I found like a list. It was like maybe, I don't know, up rocks or some shit like that. And they were like the best rock sketches. And they considered this Clark Kent sketch, the one of his like top five, which I thought was When was that shocking. list put together? Uh, I don't know. Cause it had to be during a time period where gay panic was an acceptable joke stru- structure. Like, uh, right. Like at least three years ago. There was so, I mean, the yeah the idea behind it that like that superman is really bad at hiding his identity and everyone knows is a funny idea but it's also i think an idea that a lot of people have explored before i mean i never saw this sketch and i was like i i was um i was uh i went as no i'm not superman for halloween once where i basically wore a superman suit and wore uh business casual clothes on top of it and, you know, exactly what The Rock wore. Like, this is just parallel thought. But my point you is... You heard it here first. Um, Eric Silver ripped off of this sketch for his Halloween costume. I did. I did. But, uh, you know, like, some of the... Like, the idea is fine enough. Some of the beats are were a little bit, like... I don't know. They just fell a little flat to me. I mean, besides the gay panic. Like, the the fact that his original uh, name when he showed up was Soup R. Man... I thought it was really funny though when he um when they were reading some of his articles and it would be like uh the bullets refu- did not bounce off of the individual um or not that they should like a normal human like us. Why did he actually write that in there? I like I thought that was funny. I liked that too. Yeah, that was enough. That was that was okay. But, I- but then there was other parts where it was like good good work Superman, you threw him off the set. Oh, why did I put that in? It's like okay, too much. Yeah, I mean, I, I agree that this is, like, a, a concept that I think uh, the, not the most original idea, but I do think that having The Rock as the guest for the week is the most perfect person to do it. Like, I mm-hmm. think that also, like, helps make it feel a little bit more special, is that, like, it is, this, like, the right person at the right time. 
And uh, my one big note here is this is mostly just for Eric. Uh, is that uh, Jimmy Fallon's wigs lace line looked like Olivia Lux on this in this sketch? <laughs> <laughs> I laughed. Politely. And also Olivia Lux breaks during every sketch anyway. Yes. So. And then there was the uh, the Nicotrell sketch after that, which I'm surprised that they didn't go to this well more often during this this episode and so i was okay with one sketch where it's just about how he's big and he beats people up yeah and it's and actually that got some of the last for me like i i was like i said mildly funny except the ending which i thought was terrible but i kind of like the ending which again i did, i thought was like uh, again not high comedy but it's structurally and, and like as terms of like the flow of the show and i know like what's also interesting is thinking of it differently because this is before like youtube and everybody watching sketches like uh, out of context of the greater show, and I want—I I do wonder if there's like something to be said about like the order of the sketches or seeing something in its totality. But anyway, um, I did like it almost as like a callback though to the opening, and I was like, oh, that's kind of like in a way to bring them back. This sort of makes sense, and it makes sense here, and I kind of liked it as like a little bit of a tag to the Nicotrell sketch. Like he mm-hmm. kind of had like I thought the, I thought the Nicotrell sketch stood on its own and didn't and like didn't need the sort of postscript, but I felt like. It was almost like a second separate sketch, uh, mm-hmm. and it, it, it was like a little tag that was a callback to the beginning. And I thought structurally, uh, I sort of liked it. Yeah, I, I get what you're saying. Structurally, it scratches that itch a little bit, but um, I don't know. It had the same effect as like a lot of schmoz endings from wrestling matches <laughs> for me, where I was just like, ugh, this is just a fucking mess. Well, we are uh, approaching the length of The Rock's episode on Peacock. Does anybody have any final thoughts on this? You guys didn't like the the horse glue sketch? I thought it was funny. You know, like, uh, um, needs more horse Carl was a funny line, but uh, other than that, it didn't (laughs) do I don't know. I like I just like the fact that like they were just so brutal about it. They're like horse coming through. <laughs> just like what? Well, we all know what Eric's <laughs> like, sense of humor is. Yeah, yeah. Like dead horses. The darker. The actually, better. all of all of those horses were uh, were actually stationed at the firehouse right next to the World Trade Center. So it went it went bad. If the Mister Peeper sketch ended with them cutting Chris Kattan's foot off, Eric would have been all about it. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. All right, guys. Love us. Disagree. Want to. Earnestly wish us a good show and to break a leg. Uh, want to uh, prevent 9-11 with us? <laughs> wow. Well, two wildly different directions there. <laughs> <laughs> Let us know. Email us at hellinacellphone at gmail.com. Get updates on Facebook or Twitter at Pod or tweet at us individually. Eric at Prime Silver, Bobby at Bobby Hank, and Aaron at Slow Pass. Our theme song is There Are Traitors in Our Mitts by Disco Vietnam and our artist by Alexis Gavney. Find links to both in our episode notes. Please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. And we'll be back again with Backlash 2000. <laughs> I, I noted, by the way, I, we, didn't, we didn't talk about this, but I noted that the the Uncle Jemima sketch basically stretched their... Uh, the breadth of the of the black members of the cast oh, because sure. Tracy Morgan had to play two people. <laughs> <laughs>